Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Russian Agent Orange to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the faulty analogy, also known as the weak or false analogy, and the analogical fallacy. Yeah, analogies are fantastic. I I use analogies (laughs) a lot to explain stuff when I'm talking to people. And a great analogy is like finding a brilliant teacher who really gets you and explains something in a way that you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to find an analogy that is. In fact, there is no perfect analogy for something. Basically, there is by definition, an analogy always has differences from the thing you're describing, Mm. because if it didn't, you'd just be describing the thing rather than an analogy to the thing. But where it becomes a fallacy is where what people do is they rely on saying something is like something else because it shares a trait or a a collection of traits. But it it falls down because the thing they're relying on to say this is like that um, isn't similar or isn't Mm -hmm. similar enough Mm -hmm. in between those two things. So so they're saying it's alike in some ways and then they're trying to, to make a point based on that. But their analogy falls down very quickly. So it's using it's using the idea that we all feel affinity with analogies because we're hoping that it will give us an insight into the thing that's trying to be explained in terms of a thing we already understand. So you you kind of go, oh yeah, I know I get that. Oh, I see what you're trying to say. Yes. So the if you're doing if you're deliberately using a faulty one, you're playing on the fact that people are buying in and knowing what you're doing and trying to find an insight they're doing some of the work for you fundamentally and then it, and if you're doing it deliberately then you know you've got them halfway there and then you kind of just pull the little switcheroo unbeknownst to people who just go hey except people like us who go hang on wait a minute you're <laughs> yeah. not doing it right Absolutely. And so it's not it's not enough when you're trying to debunk this kind of thing or trying to, to counter it to just point out that there are flaws in the fallacy, in the in the analogy, rather, because there's always flaws in an analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not about it, something being a bad analogy. And in fact, I think the one of the titles of this, the weak analogy, one of the alternative names, isn't isn't that great, I don't think, because it's not really about mm. it being a weak analogy, because there can be things which aren't very analogous but that make the point you want to make and are are not invalid. Mm. This is really about where the exact element of it that you're trying to compare doesn't really work. And you're you're trying to draw too much of a comparison between two things when actually they're quite thinly linked. So our first example from Trump is when he is trying to compare running a country to running a business. Mm. I have made billions of dollars in business making deals. Now I'm going to make our country rich again. (laughs) Using the greatest business people in the world, which our country has, 
I am going to turn our bad trade agreements into great trade agreements. So this was during the campaign, and Trump was yep. claiming that because he's a businessman, that means he can run a country. <laughs> right. There are, Turns out. <laughs> there are similarities between those two things. Um, yep. not, not many, to be fair. The comparison that Trump is trying to draw is that they are, you run them in the same way. And that's not yeah. a fair comparison. That's not a good analogy. No. Because the aim, of, the aim of a country isn't to make money. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That, that is, when you're running a, a company, you are in the, in the business of making money. You have, a, a, you know, maybe shareholders that you need to keep happy. Um, the, the workers are often less important, depending on the company. Um, <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the customers, essentially, are only as important as how much money you can get from them. Whereas yeah. when you're running a country, in theory at least, yeah. the, your customers, your your population, are the most important yeah. ones. They are the ones you're trying to help keep happy, do the best job for, and yeah. and not take all their money. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And also, he's very careful to. Um, so he's he's set up the analogy. I have earned billions of dollars in business. You know, which is dodgy in itself. Hmm. Um, and therefore, I'm going to make our country the richer again. And then he says that we're going to use the best business minds. He doesn't include himself in there. <laughs> he doesn't kind of go, so I'm going to do that because we know that he can't. And, uh, <laughs> and also, the, uh, he's going to have great, uh, terrible trade deals and make great trade deals. But we know uh, that his knowledge of trade is... Is a wrong is the wrong analogy too? Yeah, absolutely. He, the way that he does has done trade in business, apart from the fact it's led him to bankruptcy six times over, is not the same. They're not the same considerations when making trade deals as a country. Absolutely, you know, that, all, this is one of the one of the different things involved. about running a business. Is I think it's probably quite rare that you do business in both directions with another company. You know, with mm. when America buys stuff from China, they're also selling stuff to China, and that's where the trade yeah. deficit and the services deficit comes from in various directions. But I don't know how many companies you buy stuff from and also sell stuff to. There are going to be situations no, where might, that happens. Might, yeah, but but might it, do it in indirectly, yeah. So if you're yeah. buying components from uh, Huawei... And then you're selling mobile phones, and Huawei employees buy mobile phones. You're doing it kind of indirectly. It's not a yeah, yeah. unless you're yeah. bartering. Then, then that's yeah, um, that's a you know, there's there's going to be ways where it comes up, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's in with countries. That's pretty much everyone. There, there's going to be very mm. few countries that you trade with where the trade only goes in one direction. Mm. So. That may be why Trump just doesn't understand trade deficits, because he doesn't. Yep. He's looking at yep. it like a business, and he isn't seeing that we are trading in both directions. We are we are buying stuff and also selling stuff, and it doesn't really matter who is doing more if the money is flowing and the and the goods are flowing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't. And get actually, it. he's the he, and he's also the least qualified person to talk about running a business anyway. Yeah. Because, because because you can't he, make your country yeah. bankrupt six times and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
I think he's trying his damnedest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we shall see. Yeah. yeah. So our, <laughs> our second Trump example uh, comes from a time when he was trying to compare a developed country to developing countries. So I just left some high representatives of India. They're growing at 8%. Uh, China is growing at 7%, and that for them is a catastrophically no low number. We are growing. Our last report came out, and it's right around the 1% level, and I think it's going down. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, I because it's Trump, I expect those numbers aren't true, but <laughs> they're probably pretty close, and yep. it's exactly what you should expect, because India mm. and China have emerging industries. Yep. They are, they are yep. still doing all of that technological revolution stuff that America mm. has already done. And so you would yep. expect them to be growing at a much faster rate. They'll then plateau. They'll get to a point where they've done all that growth and then they're mm. at the same stage where the more developed Western world is now. And yep. that's why the US is growing at 1% or thereabouts. The fact is Trump is comparing them simply because they're countries and therefore he feels or he's representing that because they're the same in one way, they're both countries, mm. then they can be compared mm. in other ways. And yeah, yeah, the the metric he's trying to compare is is what is a good level of growth for a country. And yeah. you can't draw that comparison. Wasn't there one that we did that was inconsistent comparison? We did. Yeah. It's up for that. And so that's it's kind of but it's it's slightly more hidden than that, isn't it? Because that that was that's definitely about you know, these guys are producing 4,000 apples a minute and we produce 6,000 oranges a yeah. minute. Yeah, absolutely. Inconsistent comparison yeah. is more about where you're trying to compare two things that aren't um, aren't relevant to each other or, or, mm. or you're, mm. yeah, you're looking at a different aspect of, of two different things that you're comparing. This, mm. you are looking at the same thing. You are looking at growth. But there's a reason yeah. that those those, in this context at least, don't, don't make sense to compare yeah yeah um, so that's why it's that much more difficult to actually counter it because yeah. you've, you've got to kind of go down a couple of layers um not least because everybody buys into the idea of an analogy being a a, a fruitful thing to to bring to the argument so they're all everyone's positively accepting of what you're about to say um and you've got to delve down several layers to say well there are things that you're comparing don't bear comparison um and you're using the comparator in a, in, a, in a in a fallacious way absolutely one comparison that comes up quite a lot is our final trump example and uh, he is here talking to the nra it seems that if we're going to outlaw guns like so many people want to do Democrats, then we will get out, and you know what I'm going to say. We are going to have to outlaw immediately all vans and all trucks, which are now the new form of death for the maniac terrorists, right? They take a truck and they run over eight people and wound 60, like what happened in New York and what just happened. It's happening, it's happening all, all over. over. So, so let's, let's ban immediately all trucks, all vans, maybe all cars. How about cars? Let's not sell any more cars. This comes up uh, a lot among 
people who are in favour of of maintaining guns and and not controlling them. In fact, Trump is saying here that terrorists are using cars and trucks and vans to kill people just like they use guns to. That's the comparison that he's drawing. Often it's more general. People just say, well, you know, we, we you're saying that you want to ban guns, which most people aren't saying. Most people are just saying they want to control access to guns. Yeah. You're, you're saying you want to ban guns, but cars kill more people than guns do, so we should just ban cars. You know, are you saying we should ban cars? It's kind of almost a slippery slope argument going on there. They are making an analogy. They are saying these two things are things which kill people. Therefore, are you saying they should be treated in the same way? That's ridiculous. Uh, yes, mm. it is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, guns are yeah. designed to kill things. Kill, yeah, that's how oh, they're used. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cars, you know, people can make the argument that that guns have a use uh, beyond killing people. I ideally defense. There's also sport and stuff like that. But their primary yeah. design and and use is to kill things, whether it's animals or people. Cars yeah. have by far a different design and use they yeah they, they are you know killing people is way All down on the list things you could use it <laughs> yeah yeah you know you kind of that's like about chapter 13 yeah. in the manual wasn't it so, yeah yeah yes yeah um but it's a bit like saying you could given sufficient amounts of it you could kill someone with cheese yeah absolutely so therefore we, we should ban, ban cheese, cheese. Well, yeah don't even get me started i'm not banning cheese oh, so no. um you but, <laughs> I think you'd have vegans <laughs> clamoring at your door but yeah similar analogies it, it's fair to say that in fact, it's no longer fair to say that cars kill more people than guns. Since 2017, guns in the US have killed more people than cars. Um, but they're both around the 30,000 people a year mark, which is pretty horrifying in both yeah. cases. Yeah, and, and actually what happens with the analogy, it kind of goes back the other way, doesn't it? That's the thing about analogies is that you you gain this insight from it going one way. Mm-hmm. You know, So, we, yeah, we, we should ban guns because terrorists use them to... Uh, kill random people in terrorist acts, but they're also using cars in terror, and it, so it kind of goes, it goes that way to say, well, we should ban cars, and then it goes back the other way. So, well, we can't ban cars, so therefore we can't ban yeah, absolutely can't yeah. ban guns. That's that's so the argument. Yes, it would be ridiculous to ban cars. Therefore, it's ridiculous to ban guns. Yeah, that's what they're yeah. saying. Um, and and I mean again, apart from the fact that there's many other uses for cars, and they are, they they have completely transformed modern society in all manner of positive ways. And um, it, th- there's also the fact that um, over the last, well, since cars were invented, basically, people have been continually trying to make sure cars are safer and kill mm. less people, and. Yeah. And technology is working towards that end in an ideal possible future where all cars are autonomous and talk to each other and never crash, um, that they will avoid killing people. Um, yeah. That's not what's happening with guns. <laughs> no. They are, they, are not, they are not working on <laughs> no. making guns not kill people. And the other point where this analogy really falls down is people use it often as an argument against gun control and saying you know cars kill people you you have to register your car you have to yeah 
and you have to take <laughs> you have a test. To, yeah, you have to be trained yeah. how to use it. You have to have a license yeah. from the government, and yeah. and and the government has to know who owns all the cars on the road. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Even if it was just to that level of of registration, where the government knew who owned all the guns, that would be better. Plus, when you own a car, you have to be insured. Uh, yeah, in case you hurt in someone. In case you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be good, wouldn't it? Taking out insurance on a with a gun. So you've got a gun that you can buy for sixteen dollars, but the insurance to use it is one hundred sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> so, and it's just go. Yeah, do you know it's not worth it. I mm. won't bother. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just mount the pavement and go through the shopping mall in my car. Rather than just or go into the uh, the school playground in my car, so that's even more difficult, isn't it? To 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 do that, you can't get through. You can't get the through the metal detectors to get into you, yes in, the, in your <laughs> exactly. car. Yeah. So. Well, you actually you just can't get through the double doors into the canteen uh-huh. in a in a car. People would see you coming a long way <laughs> prior to you doing it. Yeah. Oh dear, we've gone we've gone into <laughs> school drive-ins. That's not not okay. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. Well, I thought that this would be a a rich seam of material to get from British politics since Boris has won the last election. It's very painful listening to. Uh, Prime Minister's Question Time, which is the you know the, the weekly thing where the two um, heads of the parties go off against each other, and it, often that's the place where false analogies are made and, and all sorts of stuff. But I just could not bear to watch it, so, so I haven't. So my, but then I came across this, which is quite interesting. So in on the 9th of September two thousand nineteen, see, I'm still living in the past when the, the election hadn't even happened. The MPs in, debated in the House of Commons that Boris Johnson's call for a general election, and amongst the MPs speaking was Ivan Lewis. So he's an independent MP for Bury South, and he was petitioning for a general election. However, he, midway through his petition, colleagues kind of in the background point out that he didn't call for a by-election when he resigned from the Labour Party in 2018. He was suspended from the party the previous year following allegations of sexual harassment. So he resigned from the Labour Party, but he continued to stand as an MP, as an independent MP for Bury South. He didn't call a by-election to say, I'm no longer... Um, uh, a Labour. I'm not your Labour elected representative because I don't act. I've resigned from the Labour Party. Therefore, if he is a true believer in democracy, he ought to have said, "Okay, let's run a by-election." And then you, because Labour would stand another Labour candidate, and he might lose the seat. So, but in this thing, he is saying it's a democratic. Uh, process that's being perverted by um, at the time it was when Corbyn was opposing the call for the general election because it didn't guarantee a no deal Brexit and all those kind of things which as it turns out has not been guaranteed when the general election was called actually the, 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 the Ivan Lewis lost his seat to the Tory candidate so here is him 
petitioning for the election and then he's challenged. You can hear the voices in the background saying, well, you didn't think about democracy when the by-election came up, when you left the Labour Party. Um, and where's the by-election then, Ivan? He demands an election time and time again. But now, given the opportunity, he vetoes an election. Not because of the national interest or stopping no deal, but he knows he would lose that election. To begin the process of rebuilding trust in this place and healing the scars of division in our society. And I hear some of my honourable friends saying, what about a by-election? Because that's what the momentum types in my constituency keep saying. I'm running away from the election by not having a by-election now I'm an independent. I'm voting for a general election tonight. I'm willing to face the people in my constituency, unlike too many of the people on these benches. So I think he's drawing uh, a fault. He's making a faulty analogy there by saying, never mind the by-election, never mind my flying in the face of democracy, I'm voting for a general election. He's saying that the democracy that he's calling for now is not the same democracy that he was not upholding when he didn't call the by-election, and that, I think, is a faulty analogy. Yeah, he's, kind of, he's, he's saying, isn't he, that if the general election happens, which he's voting for, mm-hmm. then his seat will be up and he'll be... People will either vote for him or not, so he is risking losing his seat in that, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah. the the point is that he didn't call the by election when he left the Labour Party. Yeah. And 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 he's saying that Corbyn is not upholding democracy by he's not doing it in order to prevent a no deal Brexit. He's doing it because he'll know he'll lose the election. Yeah. So in a way, he's that's his. He then goes on to make an analogy between, you know, I didn't call it then uh, the by-election then, but I'm doing it now. But his, he, the direct analogy was he didn't call the by-election then because he knew he would lose his seat, which yeah. is exactly what he's accusing Corbyn of. So, I, in fact, I wondered also whether the colleagues who are sitting, you know, right below him, when you, if you look at this, if you can stand to watch it, it's about three hours of stuff, and this comes in at one, one <laughs> hour, to watch 23 hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one hour, 23 minutes. This is the bit where he's going on. Um, the colleagues are sitting right at, below him in the, in the next row of seats below him, and perhaps they're making, because that's the 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 source of lots of um, catcalling and stuff is where the faulty analogies lie. And I think I wonder whether they're making a faulty analogy um, by saying, well, you didn't think that when you didn't call the by-election, knowing full well that he's about to uh, put his seat at risk for a general election. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're many using a faulty on. analogy there. I think that's a reasonable analogy. It's a perfectly reasonable yeah. thing to say. Because I think they're, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're saying, yeah. you know, you're, it's, they're calling out his hypocrisy, basically, and, and mm. saying that his, his situation then was analogous to the situation that Corbyn is in now in, mm. in terms of, yeah. you know, not calling an election so that you stay in power. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Example number two. I couldn't go, you know, for like two minutes without coming across Boris Johnson. <laughs> and um, this is uh, 
from I was going to say thankfully <laughs> broken thankfully your brain, in isn't it it has yeah <laughs> this is thankfully in 2014 but it's not thankfully because he was then mayor of London um, which is awful uh, the Telegraph newspaper he used to be employed by the Telegraph newspaper in the 90s um, and the, the newspaper interviewed him when he was mayor of London about his time as a Telegraph journalist in Brussels reporting on the European Union where he formed many of his um, completely fallacious um, thoughts about the EU, which I think we featured in very early episodes about bent bananas and all that kind of stuff. That was all his shtick which came up then. Um, that and the straw the, man episode, which I think is probably yeah, three or go. four, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so one of the, there's a whole bunch of inane questions that they ask him. And uh, and then the, and the last one they ask him is what kind of animal the EU would be, and he answers thus: If the EU were an animal, I tell you what it would be. The e, symbolically, the E would be a lobster. I tell you why it would be a lobster, because the EU, by the very way it works, encourages its participating members to order the lobster at the joint meal because they know that the bill is going to be settled by everybody else and normally by the Germans. So that's what the EU would be. It would be a gigantic lobster with a, with a um, butter sauce or something like that. What? Let do. Oh, that. <laughs> exactly. the, hey, nobody eats lobster with butter sauce. The EU and so what he's... is a lobster because yeah. ev- cause no one wants to pay... No, everyone wants the lobster. No, because everyone when... wants to buy the lobster. <laughs> when, and a, when other people are paying. That the bill would be paid by other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, is, so this isn't so much the, the, the content of the analogy. I think this is actually the structure of the analogy <laughs> is faulty. Because the lobster is both, both the analogy and in the analogy. So it's a bit like, and here's my dodgy analogy, <laughs> it's a bit like non-diegetic and diegetic music. So where you get this scene and you're, you know, the aerial shot over the town and you've got all this fabulous music playing and then you end up in the apartment of the protagonist and, and the, the music, music playing on the radio. turns out to be yeah. coming out of the radio. So yeah. it's gone from being, being <laughs> the lobster to being in the analogy. That's just what so yeah i think it's going to be a lobster because the eu knows that everyone will order the lobster that's a very weird it's a, broken it's a torture analogy i think that's a tortured analogy and yeah, yeah. i'm not absolutely sure it's fallacious as <laughs> just much as just bad just bollocks <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's quite interesting that the to go from the content of the analogy where you're trying to draw an analogy based on this stuff in like, like, like guns kill people or sort of cars. So yeah. therefore there's the analogy. And this one's actually about the structure. He's broken the structure of <laughs> the, of doing an analogy and therefore it's a shit analogy. Um, and of course the daily telegraph journalist doesn't just call him out. So right at the end of that very, uh, interview uh, Boris just kind of he's obviously just made it up off the top of his head and thrown it away and he says that'll do won't it I mean to be and fair it's go, a weird question isn't it it's a kind of it's yeah. like a 
speed dating type question. <laughs> well, yeah, isn't it? What kind of animal are you? Yes. Go, well, uh, I, I don't know yeah. what kind of. Yeah, well, I'm a lobster. Well, in a butter sauce. Given given that context, it was it was reasonably yeah. coherent for Boris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least but, he yeah. didn't start but, talking yeah. about painting buses on old wine crates and stuff. Yeah. Oh, so. oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The late lamented Neil Innes with How Sweet to Be an Idiot. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, <laughs> he he left us last week, the week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <sighs> in the fallacy in the world, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And we start this week with a clip from an early Simpsons episode where Bart finds himself briefly working for Fat Tony. <laughs> wish to thank you for hanging on to this stuff for us. Thanks. Uh, say, are you guys crooks? But, um, is it wrong to steal a loaf of bread to feed your starving family? No. Well, suppose you got a large starving family. Is it wrong to steal a truckload of bread to feed them? Uh-uh. And what if your family don't like bread? They like cigarettes. I guess that's okay. Now, what if instead of giving them away, you sold them at a price that was practically giving them away? Would that be a crime, Bart? Hell no. Enjoy your gift. <laughs> right, I love that. There's a whole bunch of analogies on top of each other there, aren't there? It's kind of a, a reverse slippery slope almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The builder, 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 and that one, you know, if you're giving it away, yeah, so it kind of, so if you're giving away, but what if you do it at a price that's practically giving it away? So that's making an analogy between those two, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So Tony is, is using an analogy of uh, feeding your starving family instead of um, mm. stealing and selling cigarettes, glossing over the fact that the <laughs> stealing and selling cigarettes isn't trying to save someone's life, whereas yeah. stealing to feed your starving family is. And that's really yeah. the kind of crux of the analogy that, that would yeah. be important yeah. if those two things were comparable. Excellent. And he sounds actually kind of li just listening to him with audio. Fat Tony sounds like a combination of uh, Oscar the Grouch and Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> Increasingly, Giuliani is turning into a muppet. There we go. Yeah, the, another analogy. <laughs> doing, yeah, can't can't stop ourselves. Yeah, constantly seeking for meaning. So our second example in fantasy in the wild is uh, is from Friends. This is an episode which is one of Rachel's birthday parties, and Phoebe's moved in with her. I think at this point, husband Mike. And oh yeah, they basically they killed a rat in Phoebe's apartment. 
um, and, right. and then discovered that the rat had had babies. So they decide they have to take care of the babies and they bring them to Rachel's party. Hey, Rachel, somebody got your shoes. Oh, give me. Have rat babies now. Oh, you brought rats to my birthday party? So this is what a stroke feels like. I had to bring them. We killed their mother. They're our responsibility now. You know, they require constant care. You should know that, Rachel. You're a mother. Oh. Are you comparing my daughter to a rat? No, seven rats. <laughs> We should take them home. We need to feed them. Why are you going to leave my party to take care of a box of rats? Well, I'm sorry, Rachel, but I'm not like you, okay? Not everyone can afford help. <laughs> yeah, so Phoebe is comparing Rachel's baby <laughs> to seven rats, or more sure, accurately, yeah. um, taking <laughs> care of seven rats is like taking care of a baby, as far as Phoebe is, uh, is representing in this clip. And yeah. obviously there are some differences there. <laughs> um, uh, and indeed, they, see any myself, they yeah. <laughs> decide at, by the end of the episode, spoiler alert, to um, to to no longer look after the rats and find them loving homes, uh, which happens less frequently when with babies when you find that they are too difficult to look after. Yeah, so <laughs> people just don't want them. <laughs> yeah, but it's quite interesting that uh, Rachel tries to collapse the analogy by saying, "Are you comparing?" my daughter with a rat hmm. and actually well that's kind of not what she's doing what she's doing is comparing being a mother to, to looking after rats yes exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but she tries to, <laughs> to to see through the analogy because <laughs> and that you know you should know by now that's not gonna phase phoebe in any way she just goes no seven rats <laughs> yeah yeah brilliant so um yeah, and at number three, I have one that I was watching. This There's a series on Channel 4 television in the UK called Slut Ever, Slut Ever, and it's um, hosted by a reporter called Carly Schiottino, who's looking into basically modern sexual mores and uh, investigating uh, how things are in New York and San Francisco and Atlanta, Georgia. I was watching this episode last night and this came up, which is about um, these young women who are uh, – well, basically, they're, they're mobilizing themselves as a, as a group of young people that went through sex education in Atlanta, Georgia, which is one of the states that is basically promoting sex education on the basis of abstention. We're going to pass out these Percy's kisses. Yeah, just, so just put it in your mouth, just for a while. And Take it out of your, your mouth, mouth, and then put it back in the wrapper. And, and then we're going to collect them. We can just pass it back around. Does anyone want one? No wonder you guys don't want to take any of these, because this is like a girl's vagina when she has sex before marriage. Oh, my God. But this is just an example of how they conduct activities like this. At my school when we did it, it was the girls, like, sucked on the candy and spit it in a bag, and then they asked a guy if he would want one. So they compare it to literal trash. And also, why are you something to be consumed? I thought sex was something you do together. It's consensual. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Basically, what they did was hand out a bunch of Hers Hershey kisses, 
and but people didn't crunch on them; they just sucked on them, put them back in the wrapper, and then put them in a bag. And then they said, "Does anyone want one?" And and then they're comparing that to a woman who has sex before marriage. Yeah. So you know, no wonder nobody wants one because you, that's just like. A woman who's had sex before marriage. Yeah, absolutely. You're saying no one's going to want you if you're spoiled, yeah. basically, if you've been ruined yeah, by yeah. a man. You're literal trash, yeah. Oh, and it's God. quite alarming that that, uh, that one girl says, yeah, when they did it in our school, they got the girls to, to suck on the Hershey kisses and then they got the guys to, to, to you know, they offered them to the guys, mm. which is just Horrible, isn't it? And it all seems to be very much focused around um, girls' behaviour or how um, men will view girls. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, oh, it's the, very, the, very much Not is, the other yeah. way around. Yeah. yeah. And you think, well, how, how did these kids who, you know, they're in the – well, they're, they're high school graduates, so they are in their late teens. How did they ever get to be born in the first place? You know, and what it what changed? I mean, they're only this is this. Uh, I think it's a 2018 show, so they were they're millennials. They were born in the 2000s. What has happened since the 2000s that the young people who were having sex in order to have these babies, who then grew up to be um, put through sex education in Atlanta, Georgia? What's happened in the 18 years since? That means that they are being completely discouraged from. I would, doing I would that. argue, absolutely nothing has happened during that time, <laughs> and yeah. I expect that the their parents, who may have had them when they were like eighteen or so, um, yeah, yeah, were probably put through the same thing because it's been shown time and time again that abstinence-only education leads to more teen pregnancy, because. Yep. Yeah. People do not know how to have sex safely, and they're definitely yeah. still going to have sex. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. So actually, I've worked out that I'm, I'm winning overall because... I have a higher score when it comes to counting the number of times I've been beaten than you have. Okay. Is that an analogy? <laughs> I, I, think, I think that was just I, nonsense, I don't know. wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah, think you're right. Just gibberish. But, yeah. I, okay. it, but it, did, it did occur to me. I went, oh, yeah, so I could win that. So if we were counting the numbers of times we'd be beaten in terms of we, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not winning. If you at score all, really, it like golf, you're winning. That's basically what you're saying. There you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in golf, right? When when what you've got to do is keep your score down. Yeah. You've got to have the the, the fewest well. number of strokes. Yeah, I am. I am completely blitzing this Smacking entire it. thing. You know. Yeah, I've got to be several under par. <laughs> Certainly feels like it. Yeah. Okay, it's the theme. It's got to be an eagle, surely. This week yeah. is that these are all oh, yeah. clips from Trump's recent rally in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was among his crazier rallies. Good. Is on a, difficult to yeah, tell them apart. Really. They are. <laughs> yeah. They are. I mean, yeah. 
each one you think, well, you know, that's as batshit as it can get. And then right. and then he keeps doing them. So, yeah, this is I'm going to probably use this for a few weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> OK, basically, uh-huh. the thing that seemed to characterize this one was just a total lack of transition between subjects. And he just flitted from one weird right. thing to another without any real segue or anything. Actually, it was in a weird so way, weird. Those are my those are my yeah. favourite ones because you can't. You it, it would be good to play a game if you could do it fast <laughs> enough to say where's he going to go next, yeah. and then you could have a bet on. You'd you know, never get going to go. <laughs> is he going to talk about light bulbs? Are we going to go to water? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so all of these are there. There's no other context to these. That he he said right. so he was talking about something else. Then he said this. Then he moved on to something else. And so right. anyway, um, so statement number one: Is there ever ever a better place to be than a Trump rally on some night during some week? You know the truth is we have a great time, but you know what? More importantly, we get things done. Statement number two. Right, right. And the Iranians fired on the base in the middle of the night. The soldiers were on the plane in their pyjamas. You saw them, right? They were. They looked like Tom Cruise if he wore pyjamas. Maybe he does. I don't know. But that's what they looked like. Statement number three. Right. Lyndon Johnson was sort of a tough guy. Can you imagine his phone calls? He's probably looking down or looking up, and he's probably he's probably uh-huh. saying, these people have gone crazy. That's the nicest call I've ever... In fact, somebody said, I never knew you could be so nice on a telephone call. Who's, who are they saying that about? Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson. The, I, oh, OK. Uh, yeah. Looking up. I don't know. Looking up. <laughs> if he's <laughs> looking up, that's a bit... What? And he's probably saying, these people have gone crazy. That's the nicest call I've ever... To whom? Who's he? Who's he talking to? He's Is he talking talk to, to all the other Johnson people in hell on the back know. phone? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was Lyndon? He's yeah. Lyndon Johnson was he deserving of going to the other place? <laughs> was he? Did he? Well, it depends if you believe that continue he the war after with the CIA to kill uh, Kennedy. I think maybe or something like that. Yeah, I thought he just kind of perpetuated the Vietnam War, and yeah, he did that kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, just yeah, definitely looking up. (laughs) And he's probably saying these people have gone crazy. That's the nicest call. So Trump has had a call from Lyndon Johnson. I think he's talking here about about the Ukraine call. He's saying, oh, okay. He's saying that Lyndon Johnson would would look at this call and think it was brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Again, and, no and, context and, here, so there's no reason no. for him to start <laughs> no, have started to talk about Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> yeah, no, and, it, uh, and I love that one. They look like Tom Cruise if you wore pajamas. So he, there was this kind of mashup of Tom Cruise in Top Gun, but in, <laughs> in pajamas. But you, so so you'd know that he was a soldier. They somehow. If you're not dressed in a soldier's uniform, you're not going to look like a soldier. If you're in pajamas, you're going to look <laughs> like Leslie Phillips from a 1970s sitcom, or um, uh, what? Who's the playboy? Hugh Hefner. <laughs> Hugh Hefner. Well, but you're just going to look like that, aren't you? You're not going to look like a soldier. People aren't going to. The Iranians find very few people, people look as good as Hugh Hefner in pajamas. That's true, yeah. but he doesn't look like a soldier. 
That's true. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, soldiers were playing them pajamas. You saw them, right? They were. They looked like if he wore pajamas. Maybe he does. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he does. I don't know. But that's what they look like. Okay. And then if, is there ever, ever a better place to be than a Trump rally on some night during some week? It's just, you know, fill in, fill in time period here. Yeah. Add time. Yeah. Say something, something. Yeah. It's that some night during some week. You know, the truth is we had a great time, but you know that. More importantly, we get things done. Well, you don't because you're constantly at rallies. Oh, it's that one. See that going on my um, inner voice saying, well, I can hear cheering crowds. I think that one's quite feasible. So is it Tom Cruise in pajamas or Lyndon Johnson in <laughs> hell? Okay. There's a phrase you probably uh, didn't think you'd be saying tonight. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> What's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that a false dilemma? Yeah. Um, okay, right. Okay, nice is cool. Well, look at that. It's got the telephone call thing in it. Oh, God. It's not. I, okay. I think. I, I think number two is the one you made up. Okay, so Tom which Cruise of the pajamas? Uh, other two do you think is more likely that he said it? I, I, because of the telephone call, probably number three. Okay, so number three, yeah, is yeah, yeah, real. Lyndon Johnson, oh, a tough guy. Can you imagine his phone calls? He's probably looking down or looking up, and he's probably, <laughs> and he's probably saying, "These people have gone crazy." That's the nicest call I've ever. In fact, somebody said, I never knew you could be so nice on a telephone. <laughs> he is, well, he is just a stand-up, isn't he? Yeah. He's like the worst stand-up that you get trapped on a cruise liner having to go and see night after night. Yeah. And he's doing that It's just from the 50s. You and, know, and again, no reason at all to mention Lyndon no. Wilson. <laughs> No, he wasn't. Was it, he wasn't previous, He wasn't talking about other presidents before this. He wasn't. Just, just it's totally out of the blue. He's just picked Lyndon yeah. Johnson as someone who is probably Some in hell sort of role thinking model. his phone call was good. <laughs> it's completely yeah. random. Slightly <laughs> less offensive than Richard Nixon, but no, yeah, it's just popped into his head. Yeah. Was sort of a tough guy. Well, no. What? Yeah. (laughs) So you also thought that number one is real. Yeah. And number one. Yeah, there's no better place on some night during some week. (laughs) Is. Yeah. Real. And is there ever, ever a better place to be than a Trump rally on some night during some week? You know, the truth is, we have a great time. But you know what? More importantly, we get things done. So <laughs> it's just, it's just some literally night, empty week. rhetoric. Isn't some it? city that some I'm in. Some night and some week. Some, yeah. some city. <laughs> Hello! 
<laughs> Trump Town. Hello, yes. place where I am on this are... <laughs> evening. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, where are we? It's just what? And it... either he's the smartest guy in the world, and he knows that he can just say nothing. You know, hello, people who come to rallies. <laughs> We're having a rally in some time, <laughs> and some place. If he did say night. that, he would get a standing ovation. They would go, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. yeah. But I, the He'll... thing is, I think, even though it's, compl- it's utterly <laughs> empty words, I think he thinks that it's the most profound thing uh-huh. he's ever said. One of the he, weird things I... about that yeah. is some night is standing in there, clearly, for whatever night it was. I think it was uh, mm. Wednesday, I think. Um, right, as, and he could have said, you know, is there ever a better place to be than Trump rally on a Wednesday? But yeah, during or tonight. But weeks don't have designations. You, it, some week no. isn't standing in for like week thirty-two. No. It's what was that? <laughs> some night well, there is Holy Week on a Wednesday there night during Santa in Spain. Yeah, it's during Holy Week. No <laughs> idea what during... he was going for there at all. Thanksgiving is it? A... <laughs> Halloween week? Just no, some week. there are no weeks. <laughs> just go through the calendar and just and say, okay, there is there is definite. There's Parliament week. There's Rally week. Impeachment week. There's Impeachment <laughs> week. Yeah, that's <laughs> Muller week. Yeah, yeah. All but, of which means Tom Cruise's pajamas were not real. Oh, and yay! and you've won one. All right. <laughs> All righty. You see, oh no! You see, my score's gone up now. This is pretty, yeah, your bad golf, thing. And now golf, golf is analogy, not as good. Your golf analogy's fallen <laughs> to the ground. All oh, right. Oh, brilliant! So you're oh, now that's on... nicely written, though. <laughs> I was convinced. I was convinced, but then I was, I was seduced by some night on some. Week. He did. He did yeah. mention soldiers in pajamas, but I, I just right. kind of took that and ran with it. <laughs> Uh, he did. Right. He did also mention Tom Cruise in a separate section somewhere. No, he was talking about them flying better than Tom Cruise, and I presume he means better than the character that Tom Cruise plays in plays in Top yeah. Gun. But because I'm not, not sure that Tom Cruise knows how. To I fly. don't know. No, I wouldn't be surprised. No. So knowing, I mean, if knowing you... Tom as I do, um, yeah, you know, he is he is dedicated, and I would. I, I'm in a little. I'd be a bit as surprised a if he hasn't learned to uh, yeah. to fly. For for a yeah. role, um, but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't regularly fly. How, how jets else is like he going to be taken up by the during the rapture? Yeah, sure. You know, somebody somebody's got to pilot. I don't think the Scientologists do the rapture. I think that's well, people like Pompeo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, right. Anyway, <laughs> right. <laughs> and and actually, I don't think Tom Cruise wears pajamas. Knowing Tom as I do, yeah, sure. He's a he's a he's night never, shirt. He's never worn pajamas with me. I'll say that. Um, no, yeah, nightshirt or nothing else. But nightshirt, one of those, one of those, one of those kind of caps, wee willy like winky a, yeah, hats. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's ha- the same. And, and, uh, our, our experience with Tom is is the same. Yeah. yeah, and a candlestick <laughs> that, that he holds, you know, to light the way. Yeah. So, um, so that means that you are now on sixteen out of forty-one, hey! which puts you at thirty-nine percent.
And now it's time for the part of the show that this week at least is called Lev Parnas is not a logical fallacy because oh, our, our favourite Ukrainian yeah. Cabbage Patch doll has yeah. been on the news a lot and in, he's been interviewed by Rachel Maddow and he's been on various TV shows and he's also, mm. um, the, the courts have decided that is, it is okay for the House of Representatives to be given all of his evidence which he seems to be kind of meeting out in bits. He hasn't given them all of it in yeah. one go, but but he did give them yeah. quite a lot of documents earlier this week. So it seems like Nancy's decision to hold back the articles of impeachment was quite a good idea because they haven't all this had the trial yet. Between. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Susan Collins, a uh, Republican senator, has already kind of complained essentially that, you know, why if this evidence is so important why why didn't the house include it in the trial in their trial mm. and she had to be told mm. well you know their trial happened a few weeks ago and this has just been released by the courts so they couldn't include yeah. it couldn't have but, included it but it yeah, can yeah. still be included in the senate trial so yeah if you wanna of course yeah. the you know yeah. the they have we need three to four depending on at which point they take a vote republican senators to to kind of agree with all the democrats that we should have both witnesses and evidence introduced yeah so yeah we shall see what happens with that but in the meantime parnas has been saying what he knows and he knows it seems quite a lot a lot of what he's been saying has been backed up by some of the um the documentary evidence that he's been producing and and the weird thing about the documents and stuff is it was somebody pointed out that you know, if you're going to employ hoodlums, at least get ones that aren't into scrapbooking so that they're not keeping all their stuff. You know, yeah. they're right. They're obviously because some somewhere on the OCD spectrum that they've got to keep every single receipt. I mean, what or what are they thinking? They, at some point, they're going to be asked to to file this stuff yeah. as in order to claim back their expenses. He's got a, what? He's know? got a handwritten note that he apparently made when he was on the phone to Giuliani saying get Zelensky to announce uh, an investigation into the Bidens. So yeah. <laughs> like do, got, yeah, do, do, just write do, do crimes. crimes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, a little asterisk at the end. Yeah, do do crimes. Don't Note forget self. to yeah, do, drink don't water. Forget. Yeah. Do crimes. Yeah. Do ka blink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on his fridge and he's just kind of oh yeah do you know what i ought to perhaps give that lot to somebody perhaps he thinks this is the moment when he can cash in his his expenses claims coming up to the the, you know the end of the tax year you've got yeah yeah, you've got to submit your taxes by the end of january (laughs) that's what he's doing he's going oh yeah so here are all the receipts i've got for when I flew to Kiev <laughs> and talked to various people, here's the restaurant bill from when I was chatting with the particular Ukrainian ambassador about this. Yeah, yeah. it's just bonkers, <laughs> isn't it? But you kind of go, I mean, if you employ crooks, that's the problem that, that at some point they're going to possibly turn on you yeah. because they're going to be looking out for themselves. And the benefit that you get from employing crooks is is that when they might possibly testify against you, at least you yeah. can say, yeah, you don't want to believe what he says, he's a crook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is yeah. where the Republicans are <laughs> going so far with, you know, yeah, he's a very shady character well, who, was, who was working with Giuliani very closely. <laughs> yeah, and because the, the shadiness, didn't that happen with Manafort when... <laughs> uh, 
he was he kind of went how can we believe what you've said given that you're you you've committed lots of fraud yeah and you go well yeah but you did that under the employment of the very guy that you're testifying yeah they did it with cohen as well they said yeah you can't believe what he says he's a liar and and like for for 10 previous years he'd been trump's lawyer and had Apparently, Lying at that Trump. point, was yeah. was totally on the level. So, yeah. Um, so brilliant. So man. one of the weird things that's come out um, is which which Parnas kind of un- has underplayed or has played down is a series mm. of text messages between him and a uh, businessman called Robert Hyde, who is running for, or was running for Congress. He, I mean, uh, if he's still running for Congress, then he's doing it in very vain hope of possibly getting anywhere but um <laughs> yeah which seemed to be uh about um essentially surveilling and stalking marie yovanovich the um uh, u.s ambassador oh, in what? ukraine and yeah right. so uh, some basically hyde was texting parnas and saying that um yovanovich had she talked about who she'd been meeting with and that her phone and computer were off and that uh, you know she was in this particular uh, at this particular address and her security team were kind of maybe not there and it kind of sounded very mob hitty <laughs> essentially right. saying well, you know i yeah, have people yeah. who will if you want to get rid of her let me know and i'll speak to some people and you can get anything done in ukraine for money and things like this which is super Whoa. super shady and uh coincident it was coincident with um the period where Yovanovitch was being told by the people in the US that it was time she needed to get out of Ukraine and, mm. and was told it was for personal safety reasons. Um, right. Yeah. So that. So who, who had got wind of that then? Mm. Good question. Within. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, she, it was it was basically at, at the time that 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 she was being uh, they were trying to get rid of her essentially trying to get mm. her fired mm. or just remove her from office and um yeah she was she was sent messages from the US to say that she they needed her to, to come back to the US and wow um, so that personal safety stuff doesn't sound like a um an excuse any longer it sounds mm. like she was possibly in danger from dodgy ukrainian it's hitman possible yeah, I mean it is, and and Parnas says, well, Hyde, Robert Hyde says, oh, I was just, you know, I was just messing about. I'd I'd been drinking, and I was just sending some, you know, I was messing with this guy who, this weird guy who I'd met, Parnas, um, right. which which is a very strange argument, you know. I was just pretending that I'd been surveilling a U.S. ambassador, <laughs> you know how you do. Um, like, like you do after a few drinks. You know, after a few you know, drinks, yeah, you, you yeah. have a whiskey. And you know, you think, everybody's oh, I'll just, done I'll just text it. This We're dodgy not Ukrainian guy. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a weird thing. But but Parnas kind of agrees with Hyde and basically says, you know, I didn't take those messages seriously. He drinks a lot, basically, um, which is unclear whether right. he's saying that because maybe he kind of was involved in something that he doesn't want to admit to or if yeah, genuinely yeah. Hyde is just a weird drunk who who 
texts lies about stalks people stalking yeah. people. <laughs> um, people so that's strange Whoa. um yeah so it's the, a, and it's a very strange surname really isn't it hide. Yeah. we all know <laughs> yeah we all know that guy gets a bit hairy yeah, and monstrous yeah. after he's had a drink but the know, brilliant thing that this has led to is ukraine right. has announced an an investigation uh, but not into the Bidens, but into whether right. Yovanovitch was under surveillance on foreign soil, oh, which is against wow. their laws. <laughs> so, um, wow! <laughs> so they have finally but, got the under Ukrainian surveillance by the, uh, by uh, by Ukraine by, but, well, no, it would be by people, not by the Ukrainian government, yeah, uh, but by people in Ukraine, presumably who right. uh, were working on behalf of Americans, if the texts are to be believed. So, wow, that, wow, be, yeah, so that'd be. Brilliant. They are investigating, and they've asked apparently the FBI for for help with the investigation. So, <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that, yeah. that's fabulous, isn't it? That's a brilliant and terrifically ironic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and so Parnas has also essentially kind of thrown people like Pence and Pompeo under the bus and said they absolutely right. knew all about what was going on. Not Again, not about the Yovanovitch thing, but about generally what work Parnas was doing in Ukraine, trying to get Zelensky to announce yep. the investigations. Yep. And, um, yeah, he said Trump knew everything he was doing. Uh, and he's also said every time Trump denies knowing him, he's going to release another photo of them together. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Which, it, it, even closer proximity. Yeah, he seems to have a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, he's kind of, well, you know, he's keen. He's a keen scrapbooker, so he's going to yeah, be, yeah, he keeps have been oh, doing that. Um, yeah. Devin yeah. Nunes, who previously claimed that he didn't uh, didn't know who Parnas was and didn't um, remember having a phone conversation with him, has suddenly remembered the phone conversations he yeah. had with him um, now that yep. the evidence is starting to come out. <laughs> and and uh, according to Panas, he was heavily involved in the uh, the, the quest to get evidence on Biden. Uh, so mm. yeah, yeah, because didn't didn't Panas say stuff like, "Well, it's got to have been arranged by." Because who am I? I'm I'm just a two bit thug. No one's going to you know the ambassadors in Ukraine, high up pe- people in the Ukraine, aren't going to want to meet with me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I don't know who and I it's am. It's a reasonable so, point. He's just—he is yeah. essentially saying, "Yeah, I, I, you know, there's no reason if I wasn't working on behalf of the president or Giuliani, and and they hadn't arranged for me to meet with these people, there's no reason for me to be to be talking to them, and there's no reason for them to talk with me. They'd so, be talking to me. Yeah, it's not yeah. a bad point. Um, yep. Yeah, he is going to run in. in it, it, the the Democrats will inevitably want to get him to. Um, to testify in the Senate trial if they do manage to get um, a vote that allows witnesses. Mm. The Republicans may possibly, if they do, like I said, three or four Republican senators agreeing to to needing witnesses during a trial would Mm. be enough. And they may accept Parnas as a witness because he is probably easy to debunk by saying, well, he's obviously a criminal, but... Yeah, they are. They're obviously, I expect, especially now, wary about what evidence he might have to back up the things he's saying. 
it's, uh, and it will run and run. And that, well, we haven't even, not even started the... Nope. No, the <laughs> trial starts on Tuesday. And, um, so good, isn't it? Yeah. I, and then, so you I, kind of think, well, what, what was Pardis's... What's his motivation for doing this? Because he's not going to exonerate himself. He's just taking everybody down with him. I, he's almost certainly going to be getting um, a reduced sentence because he's been indicted mm. for um, for funneling Russian money into Republican campaigns, basically, uh, right. along with Igor Freeman. Freeman, yeah. interestingly, has not come forward with anything. So uh, I don't know if he's yeah. just well, accepting... Maybe that's the- what he's got, or they they kind of took the first one of them who came forward and said, "I'll testify," or what? But yeah, um, but it seems the other very one, much he's just putting his scrapbook together. Yeah, and there'll be a whole bunch of other stuff. But of it, yeah, it seems it seems very much Trump. like he's he wants to signal to the prosecutors that he is absolutely cooperating in the same way that people like Michael mm. Flynn did until he stopped yeah. cooperating, <laughs> and. Yeah, he's he is saying I will I will tell you anything you want to know. I and to be honest, I genuinely think that it's because Trump disavowed him as soon as they were indicted, right. and yeah. and the, yeah. the headlines came out. You know, close associate of Giuliani arrested trying to flee the country, and Trump yeah. said, "I don't know who that is. Never met him before." Yeah, that I yeah. think upset him because he thinks that Trump is his like best friend and want and likes him. And so when Trump said, no, I, I don't I don't know anything about this person, I uh, think right. that's when yeah, he decided, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. well, fuck you then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. it's not, you know, I, if you're yeah. not going to even admit to knowing me, I'm not going to go for go to jail for you. Well, exactly. Basically. Yeah. I mean, that's so. the, that's the thing, isn't it? You kind of, you know, you hire bad guys. They're not going to be mm. allow you to double cross them. Yeah. You know, that, you know, we've watched enough episodes of Fat Tony that we're not gonna. We know that. I mean, they've, if only Trump spent more of his time watching. To, oh no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we shall see. I don't know. Uh, we're, well, it'll be very interesting. Um, and by next episode, we'll know. Yeah. Um, in fact, the entire trial could theoretically be over by the next episode. Um, I, I suspect it'll probably go on a little bit longer. Um, yeah. But it really, I mean, partly depends on. First of all, um, they're going to have opening arguments from from Trump and from the um, the prosecutors, essentially the House uh, right. management managers. Are they going to let and Trump speak? Trump or his lawyers? I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think it'll be Trump's legal team who yeah, I will talk yeah. about in a little while. Um, otherwise, he's just going to rant. About yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's he may get this opportunity to speak. I don't know. But um, they'll have opening arguments, and then I, I think they'll probably have a vote to dismiss. Right. Probably that won't get voted through, but it's mm. possible, and that could be the end of it after that. Wow. Yeah. But I think that the fact that people like Parnas have come forward, and the fact that there's been this dump of documents, and the fact that yeah. John Bolton has said that he would testify at the trial if called, and just the fact that almost every day more stuff comes out more Republican senators are going to find it uncomfortable when they yeah. go back to their constituents to to have voted for just dismissing it without having heard any yeah, yeah, further evidence. Yeah, they're getting to the point where prior to all of this stuff happening, they would be worried about voting for, um, you, you know, impeaching 
Trump and yeah. dismissing him from office because of the backlash from their voters. Now it's getting to the point one hopes, he says, revealing his cognitive bias. <laughs> what you know, it's getting to the point where if they did then defend Trump. Yeah. In the face of that, how people are just going to go, there's going to be a moment when the clear, tipping point is reached. I, well over 50 Republican senators are not going to have any qualms whatsoever ignoring all of this evidence yeah, and, yeah. and just voting in favour of Trump. Yeah. But but the um, the more stuff like this comes out in the intervening days, the the more possibility there is that there will be just enough to tip it in favour right. of, of yeah. having witnesses and documents. Yeah. But, I mean, let's not pretend that the Republicans are going to be principled enough in general to, no. to think, well, let's actually have a fair trial. Yeah, exactly. that let's doesn't seem about to be the, let's think the about way the it's country go. and the, mm. the standing of us as um, lawmakers in the world of politics yeah, once, rather than putting something our own personal gain. In our future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not, gonna, not, not in this particular timeline, no. <laughs> That's no. <sighs> and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Since last we spoke, the House voted to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate. Nancy signed the documents and handed out some commemorative pens, which pissed Republicans off, presumably, because they're not allowed to be angry at anything Trump does, so they have to rage about every other fucking little thing that happens or they'll explode. The trial starts on Tuesday, and in the meantime, they've been picking teams. Pelosi's prosecutors have gone with a mix of veteran players like Adam Schiff and Zoe Lofgren, alongside rookies such as Jason Crow. Donald's defenders, meanwhile, will be jointly run by White House counsel Pat Cipollone and Trump's personal lawyer Jay Sekulow. Also on the team is Pam Bondi, the former Florida Attorney General who declined to investigate Trump University for tax fraud days after her re-election campaign received a cheque for $25,000 from the Donald J. Trump Foundation, you know, the charity that had to be shut down recently because of fraud. Mm -hmm. And just today, it's been announced that former Jeffrey Epstein and O.J. Simpson attorney Alan Dershowitz has joined the team. Trump apparently likes Dershowitz because he's good on TV, which rather overlooks the fact that much of the general public dislikes him, what with all the Jeffrey Epstein and O.J. Simpson defending. <laughs> in the wake of Trump's latest reckless foreign policy actions that could very easily result in more and more troops being sent to the Middle East, Jason Selvig and Davram Stiefler, comedy duo known as the Good Liars, thought the public deserved a reminder of who the Trumps are and pasted a poster featuring Don Jr. to the front of the Armed Forces Career Centre in Brooklyn. The poster has baby Trump arms folded in a blue suit, an open neck shirt with the words, I'm not enlisting, but you should. And next to the US Army logo below it, it has the tagline, there's week and there's Trump week. On Instagram, the two wrote, we put up some honest signs at the Army Recruitment Centre. Hopefully we aren't going to war, but if we did, we know one guy who won't enlist. They previously snuck postcards of Putin into the merchandise racks at Trump Tower with the caption, 45th President of the United States. As the Daily Kos adds, one way to appease the outraged Trump supporters would be for Don Boy to sign up. Nah, because he only shoots at dumb animals, which means he probably shouldn't go hunting with his brother anymore. But then, who are we to spoil his fun or thwart that much-needed public service? <laughs> Trump often likes to claim that his 50% approval rating is wrong because 7-10% to of his supporters are too embarrassed to admit they like him. Well, it is wrong, but not for that reason. Firstly... 
pretty much everyone except Rasmussen puts him closer to 40%. But even that is artificially high, according to a couple of professors at Cornell, who theorised that the way the question was asked prompts people to answer which team they're on rather than if they actually think Trump is doing a good job. In an effort to remove that variable, they asked people how favourably they view Trump relative to other Republicans, including John McCain, Mike Pence, Ronald Reagan and Alaska's village idiot Sarah Palin. Before the midterms, Trump ranked close to Pence and higher than Palin. In December 2019, they ran the survey again. Reagan and McCain still scored fairly highly, but now Trump is even less popular than Sarah I Read All the Newspapers and Magazines Palin. Sarah, which career is the bad career, motherfucking Palin? <laughs> that is excellent. <coughs> there was also that thing. Do you remember that thing where they uh, changed the way that they recorded whether people were Trump voters by the phone? If <laughs> yeah, they responded if, on if the they phone. they to fuck off, put yeah, down as one. That's down as a Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why it's so good. Bloody hell. Lower than Sarah Palin. Wow. <laughs> We thought Trump had written trade is bad, but no, it's fine. Apparently, last Friday, he told Fox News's Laura Ingram. We have a very good relationship with Saudi Arabia. I said, listen, you're a very rich country. You want more troops? I'm going to send them to you, but you've got to pay us. They're paying us. They've already deposited $1 billion in the bank. So did you hear what he just said? Former Republican Justin Amash puts it bluntly. He sells troops. And he's pointed out before, Trump's use of the troops has broken his campaign promise to bring them home. He's moving troops back into Iraq. He's moving other troops into Saudi Arabia and using our forces almost as mercenaries, paid mercenaries who are going to come in as long as Saudi Arabia pays us some money. It's good to go. So let me get this right. Trade is OK as long as it's in people who otherwise nothing else to do that he can't see who are somewhere else and who might die and thus won't be able to complain. Hey, Donnie, thanks to you, there's lots of unemployed steel workers, farmers, kids in cages at the border you could get money for, I'm sure. Trump prefaced the lines to Ingram with, you know, we're doing something that nobody's ever done. A, there's a reason for that. Mercenaries are illegal under a 1989 international convention. And B, anyway, it's not true. Selling people has been done before and by America. And Lincoln fought very hard to stop it happening. He was a president, Donald, not a car. According to the New York Times, Russian hackers have successfully infiltrated the network of Ukrainian gas company Burisma. You know, the one that Trump has been trying everything to get dirt on for months. I don't remember him saying, Russia, if you're listening on TV again, which can only mean that he's learning to do some of his crimes when he's not on TV. <laughs> I would say that that will make it harder to hold him accountable. But firstly, Rudy Giuliani will inevitably confess on his behalf on the Sunday shows. And secondly, nothing matters anyway. Yeah. Another big pillar of Trump's certainty about the crookedness of his opponents has crumbled to dust. The Washington Post reports that the Department of Justice investigation into the Clinton Foundation's dealings has come up with nothing. John Huber was asked by Jeff Sessions to look into concerns, guess whose, that the FBI hadn't fully pursued cases related to the Clinton Foundation, as well as Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State. The Post reports Huber had found nothing worth pursuing let alone any criminal charges. Senior Department of Justice officials said that the investigation had largely been viewed as little more than a way to appease Trump and his Republican allies. Quote, we didn't expect much of it, and neither did Hoover. As time went on, 
a lot of people just forgot about it. But not the invincibly ignorant, unforgetting elephant at the head of the party. Barely an hour after the Post report came out, Trump was on the campaign trail telling supporters, Crooked Hillary, lock her up. Isn't it a classic projection technique of psychopaths to see one's own peccadilloes slash heinous crimes in everyone else but oneself? It was only a few episodes ago we reported the Trump Foundation was found really very guilty of all sorts of crookedness to the tune of millions of dollars having to be paid out in fines and members of the Trump family banned from ever being charity directors again ever. Are there really no mirrors in the White House? The Government Accountability Office has released a report concluding that the Trump administration broke the law. I know, I'm as shocked as you are, when they withheld military aid that Congress had approved for Ukraine. They pointed out that the Impoundment Control Act does not permit withholding funds for policy reasons, which is brilliant because everyone knows that's not the reason they withheld the funds. <laughs> to be fair, it's also not permitted to withhold funds for personal political gain, but it's pretty sweet that even the bullshit made up reason the OMB gave is still against still the law. Against the law, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this side of the pond, Boris Johnson gave his much lauded First big interview to the BBC as Prime Minister. Was his tissue box of lies ripped to shreds by the Rockweiler journalism of Andrew Neil at last? No, of course not. The very fact that Boris had agreed to an interview means that he must have been sure of getting affable breakfast TV chatmeister Dan Walker, who looks 30 years younger than his 42 years, and yet weirdly is nowhere near as scortingly incisive and unforgiving as an actual 12-year-old. When pressed gently and affably on the matter of ringing the bells of Big Ben to sound the day of Brexit, but not in a triumphalist victory over Europe, the like of which has never been heard since Agincourt kind of way, you understand, Bozza pretended to be shocked that it cost half a million pounds. And with his healing the division with the One Nation conservatism mask slapped to the front of his head, he attempted to distance himself from the public purse paying for it. But noticeably, he did not quash the whole idea, because as king, he'd love to have that happen. So he casually threw in the info about people setting up ways you can bung a bob for a Big Ben bong. And how fucking rehearsed was that turn of phrase? So basically, after the advent of the referendum and the general election, Boris is continuing to make sure the whole nation is now at loggerheads, only this time overspending £500,000 of taxpayers' money to sound a bell 99% of the country won't be able to hear for 30 seconds. Dominic Cummings has found the ideal method to put out the constant fire in Boris's pants by getting Boris to piss himself laughing at our expense. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on fallacious trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.